six matchs en toute compétition. Attention, bien frappé, quel but Baloutable, magnifique Baloutable Incroyable Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the newsroom. Christian Jack alongside Charlie O'Connor Clark on another Tuesday night edition as we recap a brilliant week in the Canadian Premier League. Week 25 is literally just seconds ago in the Bucks as full time has just gone in Halifax as Halifax Wanderers nil Pacific FC 2. We'll get into what that means in the playoff run shortly. And of course, it is match day. Canada played Uruguay earlier today in Slovakia. Uh, we'll have a roundtable later, as we had last week, where AGR Alex Gengurusik will join us. Josh Cloak will be here as well. And, of course, me and Charlie will analyze a lot of those things going forward in that game. But we just saw it, Charlie. Halifax nil, yeah. Pacific 2. Uh, Pacific with a result, boy, oh, boy, they needed. after They hadn't won for seven weeks. Um, they've been waiting since Thursday to get through the, the hurricane and the big storm Fiona there in on the, on the East Coast. Thankfully, everything is okay, and they were able to play the game. Uh, but in a victory for Pacific, we'll get to the goals with Mitchell in a second, the, it eliminates Halifax Wanderers and York United from playoff contention. Uh, just a, a, a tremendous victory for James Merriman. You could see what it meant to him after the match. Yeah, you could. And that's a game that they desperately needed to win. And obviously, you know, thank you to, to everybody behind the scenes that made sure that game went ahead, which was, you know, obviously very difficult. But uh, on the pitch, a really, really important one for Pacific to get the attack going, get two goals from strikers, which I don't think they'd done since uh, mid-August. Uh, well, at least forward attacking players. Uh, so that's huge for them. And just in general to put a little bit of space, capitalize on an opportunity here where a weekend, a weekend where Valor lost, uh, which hasn't been something that most teams in the CPL have done the last few weeks is capitalize on other teams around them dropping points. So uh, a, a really important one for Pacific. And I think one that'll give them a little bit of confidence that they were certainly starting to lose. Yeah, certainly. Let's bring our man on the match. And that is Mitchell Tierney, our correspondent. He's going to go speak to the two coaches shortly. So we'll keep it brief, Mitch. But let's get to this first goal. A game that was obviously sodden on the pitch still. The weather was pretty miserable, but... This was just a massive moment, was it not, for this team Pacific? You could see they were piling on the pressure, but in the end, the Santos, the Daniels, it might have been a goal, the biggest goal of the season to turn their fortunes around. Yeah, it was. And I mean, it came off their first shot or and or shot attempt of the entire game. So um, they'd had to be really patient in that first half to adapt to the conditions, to uh, adapt to a Halifax side that hadn't allowed a goal in three matches coming into this one. So there was a lot of things, you know, sort of going against them before they were able to to open the scoring. But obviously a, a huge goal for them and, and uh, obviously the, the implications of this goal huge for their season. 
yeah, massive implications. As you said, it gave them the confidence to get on and score a big goal. And Daniel's got the nod, right? We had no Bustos in this one. Was that a bit of a surprise for you, Mitchell, that James went without Marco Bustos? Not the first time he's put him on the bench, but in a, in a pivotal match, he's key man on the bench. I think so. Yeah, it was interesting that entire side, Kunle Dadaluk not uh, not starting either. So uh, opted to to fully switch things up. But we've seen this a few times for Merriman. Obviously, they needed uh, they needed a bit of a change um, within their within their lineup there and within the way things were going. So um, it sends a message, I think, to the entire side if you're going to take out a big player like that, that no one is safe within the lineup. And uh, obviously, it worked for them. Now, speaking what worked for? Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, just, just speaking of key men and big players in the Pacific lineup, I think we have to talk about Manny Aparicio, right? As we often do on this podcast, but he was back this time after, uh, I guess, a false start the weekend before. Um, he's, you, you can't say enough about how important he is to this team, right, Mitchell? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think in in all aspects, he seemed to be right up for it. His teammates had to maybe calm him down a couple of times in the early going as well as he got involved in a few more scuffles, but. Um, I do think, yeah, they need that intensity. Like, I, I think it's, um, it, it is incredibly important. So um, that, that's, yeah, um, having Manny back is is huge for them and, and a huge difference maker. You can see that on the, on the second goal. Manny Aparicio is big for Pacific. You know what's big for this show, guys? Stickers. This went down really well last week. Mitch, have you got your stickers this week before we uh, get, get, get some open some stickers for us, okay, on the show? So if you want to sure. come back later and open some, that'll be great. Uh, before yeah, we'll we let- do. Before we let you go, though, let's break down this second goal. We talked about Aparicio and his involvement in this game. This is a quick turnover, and this is the counterattack and more fun of Pacific that we got used to last year, where they could be ruthless and quick connections, and Aparicio's ball to the back post here for Heard. That is a wonderful goal to see, and for Pacific fans, they've been waiting weeks for that kind of goal. Yeah, they definitely have. I mean, like you said, this is Pacific at at their best. Um, and I wanted to, you know, give credit to Dos Santos, who earned a couple like uh, free kick opportunities outside the box. Finally, this time doesn't get fouled and and plays that initial ball through to Aparicio. And um, yeah, I think just the, there's the difference makers right there, and there's those offensive players that they've been waiting to to click for a long time, and they finally do on this goal. It's it's brilliant football from from start to finish, and um, yeah, it's the kind of goal they're capable of, and the kind of goal they're going to obviously need to score more of um, in the next couple of games. It's what makes him so special. There is no other Manny Aparicio close for Pacific. There are very few Manny Aparicios in the Canadian Premier League, if any, the intensity that he brings, how quickly he breaks out of midfield as well. Uh, just a brilliant moment for him. Fantastic to see him back. Mitch, I know you got to go talk to the coaches. Before you do, uh, a word on Halifax. The season is done for them in terms of qualifying for the playoffs, but at least they got this game in. Um, maybe you can come back with a little bit of a report on their skipper as well, Andre Rampasad, who, who went off early in this game. Yeah, obviously that's uh, that's a difficult one for them as something we've been tracking here at the Canadian Premier League. The fact that this was his 98th game, we were hoping he could get uh, become you know an, another centurion before the end of the season playing the final two. Um, so I'll get an update on what his situation is. Um, there have been positives, obviously, down the stretch for, for Halifax. Defensively, much better. A lot of those young players, Christian Campagna, I thought, excellent again today. He's a, he's a player that looks like a great signing for them. So there are some some future pieces for them that could be really exciting, but obviously, um, yeah, it just hasn't been consistent enough for them all season, and uh, it's no real surprise, I think, that they aren't uh, in the playoff contention come the end of the season. Lots of love in the chat live if you're with us for World Cup stickers. That's coming up. Manny Aparicio, lots of love for him. And don't worry, yes, Atletico Ottawa fans, we will be getting to your team. 
very very shortly mitchell we'll let you go my man i know you've got one out on the screen your match report's already <laughs> up you're doing a great job uh we'll speak to you again probably in around 45 minutes or so as we get you back to offer some stickers and try and put together a big team again like you did last week sounds good can't wait i was going to open some stickers with josh heard here right now see what see what yeah, he thinks about that but... let's do it let's see what josh thinks he'd be in a good mood all right we'll yeah. let you go thanks again mitchell tierney we'll take him out and we'll bring in our agr as we get to our next game and agr was on location at yorkland stadium on friday we we're all there great to see you, alex alex will of course join us later for our Canada Roundtable chat where we get Josh Cloak on. Uh, but before we get to that, let's recap York Lions Stadium where we saw another come-from-behind win for the home team here and the fifth victory, AGR, in the last seven games. What impressed you the most about this team, the form team in the Canadian Premier League? Yeah, it's the, the new-look York United. Uh, the early-season goal struggles have certainly been left behind. Uh, and you can thank, I guess, Moba Bully for that. I mean, he was fantastic, as you're about to see on this goal here when Azaze Di Rosario picked him out, and then he just, out of nothing, really, up to that point, it was all Valor through 30 minutes, and they seemed to to be well on track to getting a you know huge road result for them. Instead, some Moba Bully magic kind of set the table for what would be all York from, from that point on. I mean, uh, really, it has to be said how different York looks offensively. I mean, if we look at this Krisnovich incest screamer again, he's shown some magic with his left boot as well in recent uh, recent weeks. But uh, yeah, it was a good performance from the home team who, you know, unfortunately after today's result, as we know, are eliminated from the playoffs. But after some pretty dark times offensively where they, you know, they went a month without scoring a goal. They were struggling to score all season long. Uh, they've showed as of late that they've scored something like three plus goals in, in the f five or six of their last games. And they don't, they only did that twice in their first uh, you know, half of the season. So it's a new look York side and it was fun to watch uh, on Friday. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, are they fun to watch Charlie. We were both there. Uh... And at one point, just mesmerized by the quality of this team. You know, this is a team that was, by the way, they've got 22 points now in their last 11 games, York. <laughs> 22, Pacific have 20, Ottawa 19, Valor 17, Forge 15, Cavalry 13, Halifax 12, and Edmonton 7. The inspiration of Moba Bully, Charlie, I, I guess we can ask the question, what if? If they'd got Mo yeah. to sign a little bit earlier... Uh, I don't think we, we would be saying you would be eliminated right now. But the contrast, Charlie, of, of seeing one player come in and take over a team is, is and I think is, we haven't seen anybody else like this this year in the CPL. No, we haven't. And I think it's something that York really needed with the way that their attack had been working before Babuli came in was they needed somebody to just kind of take it by the scruff of the neck and just run the show, right? Which is certainly what he's doing. And I think that this is actually a better place for him than Forge was because... Again, Mobabuli can sit in that. He likes that number 10 spot there behind Di Rosario at York, and he's able to be the guy. He's a star, right. and we've spoken about it before, but things run through him, whereas at Forge for, for Babuli, things had to run through other players first. They'd go through Kyle Becker before they got to him or something like that. He can go searching for the ball at York, and, and he can kind of create those plays, and it's just night and day just how entertaining and how many how much more creative this team is in the attacking third now compared to you know the first two, three months of the season. So much fun. A great vibe, by the way, there at York Lions Stadium. We've got some, some tremendous feedback from fans, how young the audience were. We'll get to that again in a minute. Um, AJ, have you got your stickers? You bring your stickers tonight? Yeah, of course he does. All right, buddy. Ready. Start to open your stickers. And while you open your stickers and find out what you get, let's go back to York Lions Stadium and hear from the man himself. Here's Mobile Blue. I feel good. I think I have the freedom to explore different areas on the pitch. Um, I think the adjustment... It 
partially for me and partially for guys on the team and 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 I think we've both done that well and just understanding that sometimes when I do drift out wide or drop deep who's who's jumping into certain positions and I think I think uh, we have good moments in that in, uh, in understanding each other AJR, before you reveal your pack, um, what do you make of the tactical nuances of this York team in terms of Babuli's almost, he hasn't got a free role, but he hasn't got a very direct role in terms of being far up the pitch. His ability to come in and construct some of those attacks. And what do you make of the way that Martin Nash has got him lined up? Yeah, well, it's very multifaceted. And I think it's kind of what York was missing to tie everything together. Because we've talked a lot about the defense. We knew what that was there. They had dynamic fullbacks you can get up the field, even with Diodine Abzi gone. Uh, we saw Paris G looked pretty good coming up down the left side there. And obviously, Chris Novichin saw, as we know, uh, he is certainly not shy in going up the field as well. And there's midfielders as well who could get involved. Isaiah Johnston, whenever he's on the ball, I'm always super impressed by how composed he looks. Just 20 as well. Uh, you know, wild to think how, how young he is. But it just kind of felt like every, there was a piece missing. You know, you know, always felt like Di Rosario up front was always isolated. He didn't have a striker to play off of. Uh, given that at one point he'd scored 60% of his team's goals, it was really easy to defend. You just take away Di Rosario, and it kind of felt like they, they took away the game. But the way yeah. Mobubuli now is huge in so many aspects just because he gives Di Rosario a bit of freedom because you have to kind of hone in on Mobubuli, but then he plays off of Di Rosario so well the way he finds the pockets and capitalizes on the space that having a number nine uh, freeze up and then in the in turn it just kind of gives confidence to the wide players because then all the attention draws into Babuli in the middle and it just kind of created this chain effect where before the pieces you could kind of see were there but you were wondering like why isn't it coming off like it feels like this team is a little more talented than they look and I think just Babuli the way he's brought all those pieces together especially De Rosario I think their partnership could be one where if played over a full season maybe they both get double digit goals genuinely that's how good it's looked over the last few weeks then it, it, you know it could really be what York was missing because when they were at their best in the early season they were defending well it's just a lot of nil nils one nils those are the kind of games we needed a guy to to make the difference and Babuli was that guy just a couple months too late like we mentioned yeah, that, that that partnership next year. Wow, that could be exciting. Uh, AGR, what do you got in your pack, mate? Um, Just looking through so far. <laughs> okay, okay, I've got a good one in here. So to start, I've got, oh, I'm dropping already. Abdullah Otaif from okay. Saudi Arabia, team yeah. that drew the U.S. today. So Charlie, you can open a that. pack while we wait for AGR as well. Buddy. All right. <laughs> now I got the star man. I don't think anyone's going to top this because he is one of the best in the world. Sadio Mane. Oh, now that's oh, all-star quality. That's high quality right there. That's just phenomenal. Got Calvin Phillips, you know, good at okay. solidity in the midfield. Yeah, progression. Week. Yeah. Switzerland. Cool, okay. I guess. Team Switzerland picture. And then lastly, Takah Takahiro Tomiyasu. Got some Arsenal. There you uh, go. Full back there. So not a bad Premier League pack there in terms That's of... That's true. Back. Blue parallel there as well. Uh, last week, we put out together our five-a-side teams with all these guys when they open the packs. AGR's got half of his team. Let's open his next pack. And in the meantime, uh, let's hear from Martin Nash. Yeah, I mean, I thought we started well. And obviously, they got a goal early on a counterattack, gave away a penalty. But uh, I thought for the most part, I thought I was really pleased with how we played. I thought we ended the half quite well. Um, I, I thought the second half, I thought we were excellent. For, for most of the second half. So uh, well, the players deserve a lot of credit for the mentality we talked about before the game, our mentality and attitude towards the, towards the game. I thought it was brilliant from the start, and uh, it was a really good performance.
from them. What of Valor? Uh, that was really disappointing, I think, from them in a game that, boy, oh, boy, they're in a playoff run right now. Uh, before we hear from Phil DeSantos, AGO, what did you make of them? They take the lead in the game. Chibara gets the penalty. Suddenly you're thinking, here we go. They could be, you know, pulling away from Pacific. And then the second half, just a disjointed affair. They didn't really get, in, get anywhere near York. It was just surprising because they didn't necessarily really play the Valor way we've been used to, where they're compact defensively. And it was interesting because Phil Santos mentioned one thing that he didn't like from his team is that they let it turn into a track meet. York has speed, they have yeah. creativity down the flanks, whereas Valor, they're, they're at their best when they get the game in front of them and they're frustrating teams. And then they're the team that's getting in space, getting in transition, where it felt like York in the second half every Every attack, they'd get behind the Valor wingbacks in the 3-5-2, the and then they'd cause problems. Andy Baccaro, uh, Brett Levi's got taken off injured at halftime, which is also a very underrated aspect yeah, of Valor's yeah. demise. They lost that that solidity on the left side. So for Valor, it just felt like they, they turned the game into the track meet. And I think the, the big point, which was so surprising, was how much that Mobabuli goal in the first half affected them. Because, like I mentioned, in the first 30 minutes, I thought it was all Valor. I, when they went up one nothing, the way they were playing, you're like, okay, this is going to be one nothing, 2 nothing. They're so good at seeing this over the line. And then to give credit to them, they defended the Bubuli goal well. You watch it back. He has two defenders draped all over him. They close him down. It's just a moment of magic. And then after that, I don't know if they were so surprised that goal went in. It kind of just seemed to throw them off and rattle them to think that they had to get another goal. And then from there, uh, it turned into a track meet. So a bit frustrating one for them after the, a strong start to, to finish the way they did. It's been a tough few days for them now with Pacific winning this one as well. We'll get to the standings later, but Valor still with Cavalry away and Edmonton away to finish. Um, boy, boy, that's going to look. This game this weekend is a massive one for them. Um, AGR, before we let you go to bring you back for the Canada Roundtable, let's complete your team. What do you got, what do you got in your second pack? So to start, we got Denzel Dumfries, star of last year's Euros. Good team for you. Yeah. <laughs> we got Theo Hernandez, potential. Oh my word! In this World God, Cup, this we got all this, the fullbacks. Syria. Here. We got a goalkeeper at least. I don't know how big of a role he'll play. Frederick okay. Ronvo. Yeah. Back up to Casper Schmeichel, so I'll take that. Yeah. Key for more. Okay. Big uh, number nine up front. up front. Yeah. And then lastly, Alexander Jiku. Uh, Center back, if I'm not mistaken, for Ghana. So decent little team. Decent little team. AGR is going to go back to put us together. Charlie's going to open his two packs. We're going to get the results of that in a second. AGR will speak to you in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, and we'll get you back on for the uh, for the Canada chat. In the meantime, uh, we talked about Valor and a disappointment. Here's the thoughts of their boss, Wilder Santos, after this one. I, I felt that we didn't play in our characteristics. We had alerted the, the squad um, and I showed them this afternoon. Oh, we I, I felt that we didn't play in our characteristics. We had alerted the, the squad, um, and I showed them this afternoon. Now, York is a team that likes to play in open spaces. Uh, you know, it, it, become, it becomes a little bit of a transition game against them. They have pieces that like to attack you fast and that open space for us in transition but afterwards if we lose the ball fast again it becomes a north-south game and uh, I didn't want to get into that we didn't want to get into that because that's not who we are as a team we're a team that uh, needs to defend together and needs to attack together to be able to to be effective in our game um, and we didn't do that and uh, 
is when we're out of our characteristics, we we don't win games. And the, the team was alerted to that, and that's exactly what happened. All right, Charlie, who you've got here? You got a good two couple of packs here. We're gonna have to bring some more in like uh, last week. Yeah, it's it's better. It's better than last week. I've got. Okay. Uh, well, we'll start out. I've got. I think I've got two lesser players. So, two lesser uh, players for Mitchell. Maybe, maybe I'll make some trades at Mitchell, but I've got Yuri Tielemans. Okay. There the, you go. Solid, solid Belgian, and I got uh, I got Yannick Vestergaard. There you go. So okay. there's my defense. I actually have a striker this time. My first pack. I've nice. got Timo Werner. Uh, this is, uh, who's this been is in a phenomenal in team so far. A lot better playing? form. A lot better form since he went back to Leipzig. So that's good. Of course, yes. Yeah. Uh, I've got Joe Morrill from, uh, okay. from Wales and Portsmouth. I, yeah. I, he might not end up in my five-a-side team. Pau Torres oh. as well. Spanish defender, which is just a, a class, class get. Like so I'm pretty Torres. happy with that pack. Great left I, foot. Yeah, yeah. Am I doing the other pack? or? or yeah, let's do the other pack if you the got In the meantime, let's play these cavalry highlights on the yeah. weekend because we go there because from... We went to this. What a match this was. Uh, first versus second. The winner with the chance to become the first team to clinch a spot in the postseason. And I should just stop talking because look at that goal <laughs> if you're watching us live. Uh, no words will do it justice. It is the goal of the season, no doubt. Sorry, Toby Wojcicki. Balu Tabla takes the honor. Uh, just an incredible goal. And Balu heavily involved again the second game. Second goal after a yet uh, uncharacteristic mistake by three for Yao. Bassett to right. And the sucker punch was there. The classic counter-attack from the counter-attack masters themselves, Atletico Ottawa, to make it two. At the other end, Escalante would score a penalty after Miguel Acosta's only mistake of the game, where he gave up a penalty, a spot kick there, uh, with the foul on Ali Musi. Escalante would step up and score to make it 2-1. Uh, but this was a day for Atletico Ottawa, uh, with the yeah. most away wins in the season so far. It turned out, again, the boys from the capital were able to deliver even though Escalante was able to score, Charlie, they went and found a third, and what an away performance it was. Yeah, and it's in many ways quite similar to the last time they went to Calgary, except we didn't uh, have to wait an hour for them to come back out after halftime because there was no right. this time. Um, so that was that was much appreciated. Thank you to the weather for that. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, quite a similar story and, and a similar kind of emotion from both managers after the match. You know, Tommy Wilden Jr. was fairly nonplussed after this one again they cavalry had a, a lot of shots in this game a lot of possession but maybe not as much purpose to that possession as atletico ottawa had yeah. and the quality shows through when you have players like balu tabla and your team uh you're gonna you're gonna come out with some of those kinds of goals in a season and you know you, you can play you can defend well and, and all that but you know if you give a little bit of space to a player like that with i think more more on the uh the Brian Wright goal, I'm thinking they're going to punish you. Like there's not really a lot of ways you can defend the first one. That's just, you know, a, a class goal and Cavalry scored a goal to cancel it out. But then the other two uh, are kind of where the difference is. And, and you know, again, just remarkable story for Atletico Ottawa this season, just how much more organized they are, how much more kind of de determination there is on the ball and just how special this run has been for them to, who are now, you know, headed for the playoffs and definitely yeah. have designs on, going quite deep in those playoffs yeah they definitely do and i think that's a good point you made there because i think we many people expected them to not be the same team as last year many people expected them to be in the conversations again to the playoffs i don't think anyone's shocked they've made the playoffs this year no. it is a very good very well-run organization they've got financial commitment they know what they're doing they're, they've scouted well it's an older team uh, there's a lot of things where they had to get it right this year i think the biggest surprise is that now they look like a contender to win it all. 
It was yeah. one thing to get in the playoffs. Now they, you, you could make, no one's going to say it yet, but you could make a case that they're the favorites based on the way that they're playing right now uh, to win every, to win the whole thing. You know, 25 points away from home. You know, they, they've lost two games yeah. all year. They've been to Cavalry, the best team at home, and they've won twice and scored six goals in two games. Um, with more on that and the accomplishment of making it to the playoffs, here's their head coach, Carlos Gonzalez. It's a milestone for the club, so I am very proud and very honored to to be part of, of the team that we've been working since seven months ago to to conquer this challenge for the first time in history. I think this is so important for the club. They have been fighting, having tough seasons before, and I think that they everybody deserves this. Uh, the players, uh, people from Madrid that has worked really hard in, this, in these years, and of course uh, the fans that today we don't have them here, but you know they were pushing all the season and and all the city has been giving us the backup, so we are very proud and happy happy for them. Yeah, as they should be. What a story. And as usual, Atletico Ottawa fans lively in our chat tonight. I love to see it. Uh, shout out to Arthur, Thomas, uh, Alex, many of you guys out there. Thanks for supporting us as well. I know you love your CPL uh, chat and also your World Cup stickers. And we're going to get uh, Charlie's results of his second pack shortly. But in the meantime, let's go back to Akko Field in Calgary and hear the thoughts of Calgary head coach Tommy Wilden Jr. That was a sucker punch, to be honest, because we knew that we had a game plan. We had the dress rehearsal of how they played against us last time. We said they would come out and do the same because it worked for them. We had the prep out there on the pitch uh, three, four times a week. We did drill after drill about defending the transition, about beating the low block. But we've got to take all that and put it out on the pitch. When they score a goal like the way they did, it just hungers them in. Um, we've got to defend better. We've got to attack better. It's, uh, it's on us, so we own it. I own it. I made the decisions to play the way we did, um, and that's what you got to do. Own it and move on. Every credit. Um, Balu's goal, Charlie. <laughs> that, I mean, I think Tommy alluded to the fact that that was, a, as he said, a soccer punch. That was a difficult goal to get over. Yeah. And I think he admits afterwards that the team wasn't good enough, which I think is pretty honest, and I think he was right. But... To, to concede a goal like that, no coach would ever imagine that that's going to happen. Just your thoughts when that went in, the magnitude of that. That's that I said on I think I said on Ottawa Radio this week that in 50 years of the Canadian Premier League in the future, they're going to look back and go, "That's one of the greatest goals scored in CPL history," let alone this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's one of those goals that is just special. You know, no matter what, it's not. Sometimes you see goals highlight real goals where players dancing around a few defenders and things you can say all right maybe it's the level there's a, a discrepancy in quality but when you just get on your bike and hit a ball like that you know you can do that on any pitch in the world and if it goes in it's a special special goal right and just seeing a, a ball kind of come in like that and go off the woodwork and into the net yeah uh, in a game that matters a whole lot to both teams is just an unbelievable moment and you know, it's it's definitely one that we're going to remember for a very long time. And I know we talk a lot about how many unbelievable goals there have been in the league this year, but that one right, for me as right. well is, is well above even all of those. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, apologies to Thomas. Apparently he's a York United fan. I did actually know that, but he was giving love to Atletico Ottawa in the chat. So, uh, hey, hey, 
you know, football brings everyone together. York United fans sure. give love to Ottawa, Athletico Ottawa fans. Uh, well, this is wonderful. Uh, what do you got in your second pack before we move on to the final game of our chat? All right, this one's go? this one's okay. It's not quite the same as the last one. I've got a uh, I've got Gregor's Krikoviak from Poland. Okay, yeah, uh, nice. which is all right. Got a little little more midfield here. Um, I've got another midfielder, uh, Ghana and Mallorca midfielder Idris Ubaba. Yes. All right. Oh, you got a good it's team good here. I think. You're this is be getting, getting Your five-a-side team this week's going to be better than last week. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Are I've got a stadium. Off, are you picking these off the floor, by the I way? Drop, I just dropped one off the floor oh, okay. uh, as there we were go. speaking. Um, <laughs> I've got a stadium. I don't... Okay. Hopefully, it's uh, it's finished. Yeah. Maybe you can <laughs> play in that stadium. I don't know. Yeah, yeah we'll hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, Jason Denier. From okay. Another, yeah, you, I think that's my third Belgian. No, it's my yeah. second today. Second. I had a bunch last week too. You did, yeah. Uh, and then I've got a goalkeeper. Oh, finally. there you go. Finally, and I've got I've got Tristegen. Oh my goodness me! So uh, it's hard to do much better than that. AGR is disgusted now. He's got a test on his hands for the five-a-side team at the end. Yeah, of this one. I might actually be competitive this week. So you that, might be. That oh. is good. Talking That's of competitive, good. what about FC Edmonton? Let's bring in Benedict yes. Rhodes. So every time he has an Edmonton game, I feel like they shine for him. Uh, Benny, great to see you. Um, this is last but nowhere by means least of the game. It was a lot, so much up on Sunday. Edmonton's, you know, you think that playing Forge, no disrespect, it's going to be a big test for them. But I thought they were probably the better team here. We see Terran Campbell score with an opening goal with a deflection. What about Edmonton and the reaction here? Pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Edmonton maybe were the better team in this game, you know, on the whole. Um, you know, Forge, for example, after the game, Bobby Smidiotis talked about how, you know, they needed to be better. They needed to, you know, they were they weren't good enough in this game. And and you know, you see as you see on the screen if you're watching on YouTube, the goal was I don't know, for lack of a better word, a fluke. Um and, and Terry Campbell admitted himself it was a it was a cross, not a shot. Um and and you said Edmonton immediately reacted. They they don't fear anybody. Alan Koch doesn't want he hates when you say they're playing with no pressure because that's not true. Uh, but but uh, what he does he does say is you know this team's going to give their all every single game. They're not they're not afraid of playing anybody in this league. Uh, and you know all season long for the most part they've been competitive and, and they've been you know going head to head with some some top teams in this league. They certainly have and every credit. You know I I thought when Campbell scored many of us thought that okay it was one we're going to be another one of those where FC Edmonton get a decent performance and every credit, but nothing out of it. But they're able to fight back. I know Singh gets the red card late in the game. That's his second of the year. Uh, but they're able to stick in with this one as well. CJ Smith with with goals and back-to-back games for him with, with FC Edmonton. Uh, and they get the point. You know, the, We're going to get to Forge in a second before we get to Canada Chat because a lot to discuss about Forge. But before we do that, let's put a bow on FC Edmonton and hear from their goal scorer, CJ Smith. Honestly, just smiles. Uh, it's always nice to see that your coach sees that you're, you're working hard and you're, and you're trying to become better every day. So, I mean, I don't have much to say. It's just, I mean, it's, he sees me working and, and it's, it's humbling and, and it just goes to show that, you know, you work hard and, and, and you get rewarded and maybe that's how I scored my goal today. Benny, you got your World Cup stickers? Oh, I sure do. Of course he does. All right, you open a pack while I ask Charlie, your level of concern for Forge? Seven goals in the last nine games. Schwanier, Borges, yeah. Pasias, and Campbell all started for just the second game of the season together. That didn't necessarily work. Uh, right. You know, Bobby, who usually has got a lot of the answers, seemed a little bit forlorn at the end of this game a little bit. Yeah, I I wasn't concerned about Forge, I think, but in- increasingly I am. Like, there's this, this is just a team that's something's not quite there. 
You know, there have been times this season where they've been playing just unbelievably fluid football and everything seems to be going right and they're clicking and the attacking third is good. But it feels like there's just a lot of moving pieces in this team at the moment that aren't necessarily falling into place at the same time. Uh, Again, they're still not finding whatever that that best front three is. Uh, There's just like six or seven players that they need that they need to try and find three of to play together. And it just hasn't happened yet which is starting to become concerning as we get right into the end of the season here. And then just other parts of the pitch where usually you know, they're so stable and steady are for, for both internal and, and external reasons. They're not, you know, not, not as strong as they usually are. Obviously not having Kyle Becker there for these games and these last few games of the season is a really big problem yeah. for this team. Uh, and that's, you know, the, the consequences of, of what happened in that cavalry game, uh, Noah Jensen has actually been quite good, I think, for the most part in that understudy role, to be fair. But again, like in this game, again, we see Daniel Kurtzen not able to play because of that that knock to the head he took the week before at Pacific. So hopefully he's all right and he's able to come back soon because I think that's another concern for this team. And even Alex Janssen playing through a what sounds like a fractured hand, right. I think Bobby said. So yeah. just there's, there's just a lot of things with this team that aren't quite as smooth as they usually are because usually this is a team that isn't phased by things that isn't you know doesn't really use excuses or or doesn't even have have to make excuses because they find a way through pretty much every issue that faces them but things are just all kind of coming together and converging at this one time for forge that they're in a little bit of trouble i don't think they'll have trouble making the playoffs no by any means but uh once they get into those playoffs you need to be on your game and you need to be absolutely sharp in that two-legged series so uh, not a lot of time left for this team to figure that out. They've got to figure it out quick. Uh, as you mentioned, they've had a lot of injury blows, a lot of, you know, Jabra Paul suspended as well. So they, they just can't find that rhythm at the moment. Uh, Benedict, did you find rhythm in your pack? What have you got, mate? Let me see your stars. Uh, I also got a stadium. Uh, okay. <laughs> Toss that aside. Put that on the floor like Charlie did. Yeah. Uh, I've got uh, Abdullah Madu, Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, Wataru Endo from Japan. We're playing Canada pretty soon. Nice, yeah. Okay. Saudi Arabia, by the way, today good good performance. USA terrible performance. Yeah, just ask Americans. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I got uh, Dennis Zachariah from Switzerland. Uh, he's a good player. Yeah, All right. And Some this likes. is gonna be the, the cornerstone of my team. Is Eden Hazard from Belgium. Oh, I feel like we get a lot of Belgium stickers on this show. A lot of Belgians. <laughs> show. Yeah. Uh, Benny, go open your next pack, and we're gonna listen to Bobby Smirniotis after this one. And don't get any more Belgian players. All right, here we go. First half, we've created a lot of opportunities to score. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't taken advantage of them. And, you know, you got to be able to do that in these games. You know, that uh, fundamentally usually changes the way things go. We wanted an earlier goal in the first half. We've created those opportunities. Um, a little bit unlucky off the mark uh, there. Um, the second half, I thought we needed to be better. Um, we lacked a little bit of urgency um, in our play. We get a goal that uh, comes from, uh, from nothing. Sometimes that happens in a game when you've missed some uh, some other clear-cut opportunities, um, and then we just need to be better after that. Bottom line, we need to be better. Bottom line, need to be better. Very yeah. strong words from Bobby Smeniotis, and they'll need that this weekend um, as they boy, boy, get ready for three home games in a row. Um, York, Pacific, and Halifax to finish the season off. Um, finishing off packs, let's see. Did you get any more Belgians? Ben? No more Belgium. Okay, thank goodness. <laughs> Uh, I got, got uh, Philip Kostic. Okay. Good player. Yeah. That's a good player. 
Uh, Andre, Frank, Zembo, and Guisa. Good name. Nice. Great yeah, name on the sticker there. <laughs> yeah. Lower that font. <laughs> uh, Mohammed Al Buryak again from Saudi Arabia. Okay. You're not going to be happy with your team, are you? You're going to demand to open another pack. I can feel it in your in your voice. Okay, let's see. <laughs> uh, I got Sung Yu Kim from South Korea. Okay, there you go. No and Canadians tonight. Mitchell will pull a Canadian. Nobody's had a Canadian. He always right? does. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the last player going straight into my team as well is is Kingsley Coleman. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, you're not opening more packs. <laughs> You've uh, got an attack. There you go. All right, Benedict's going to go put together his five-a-side team. In the meantime, let's take a look at the current CPL standings. Um, obviously, if you just joined us at the stop at the top of the show, Pacific are now up to 40 points. That has eliminated York United in sixth and Halifax Wanderers seven as well. They're done. Valor and Pacific battling probably with Calvary and Forge for that last spot. Obviously, Atletico Ottawa in the playoffs as well. Uh, they are... Whoa, very tight standings, but it's now down to five into four. And as we get ready to sit, look on the games next week, a reminder, you can always catch the CPL Predictor. CPL Predictor brought to you by Come On. Just go on and select the scores. And it's a tight turnaround for Pacific on Friday. They host FC Edmonton. And if they get a victory then, boy, oh, boy, suddenly their playoff hopes are looking very, very good. Uh, Halifax return again with a final home game of the season against Atletico Ottawa on Saturday. Forge take on York United on Saturday as well. And then on Sunday, I think that's the Come On Match of the Week. Yes, it is. Cavalry yeah. take on Valor in the Come On Match of the Week. And by then, Charlie, Valor are going to know what they're going to have to do. They've gone before a lot of these teams every weekend. Now they go last, and it's a chance for Pacific to put the pressure on them as well. Yeah, it is. And I I don't know who is under more pressure there in that kind of that flipped situation, but Valor, it's they're going to look at it as a must-win. They're going to look at that as their their playoff game, you know, as they probably have have said they have their last three games but that one 100 is a playoff game for them really yes uh i think they beat cavalry at in winnipeg last time but uh but they've also had some pretty heavy defeats to them in calgary uh over the over the years so uh that's going to be a, a difficult one i think that you'd expect them to respond a lot better after friday night so you'll you hope to see brett levi's back for them because he's a, a massive player uh i don't know how I feel about it, though. I, I think both teams will be very hungry. I think I could see a, a Valor win, though, on the road. Wow. They're going to have to. I think they're going to have to win. I, I think yeah. Pacific are on a bit of momentum now, and they'll be, you'll fancy them against Edmonton at Starlight on Friday night. All right. That is the Canadian Premier League side. Uh, the show uh, will bring in Mitchell later, and you can recap on what some of the press conferences going on tonight in Halifax. Uh, but let's bring back AGR, and let's bring in our special guest, Josh Cloak, as we get ready for our Canadian men's national team roundtable. Uh, welcome back, AGR. Got some competition on your five-a-side team. Sorry, Josh, we didn't get stickers to you tonight. Uh, we'll have to do that next time, mate. I, I wish I would have known. I've, I've got my album right here. I, I, I open packs uh, in, when I do have a spare moment here and there. But the first kind of I, I found a sports store in, in, in beautiful Hamilton and, and grabbed 20 packs. And I thought that would last me a few days and it lasted me about an hour and a half. So, yeah, yeah I, I wish I would have known. Just to start, my friend, with your little boy, yeah. he's going to love it. Soccercars.ca in Guelph, a good place to get your stickers as well. Uh, you don't have stickers to open up right now, but we have books to talk about. This beauty 
right here. This is Josh's newest baby, uh, The Voyages. I, I just picked this up from Josh about a day ago, and I'm honestly three quarters of the way through. It is a must read. Josh, before we get into the roundtable today, uh, tell people where and when they can get this brilliant book. Yeah, the book's likely for sale now. The official release date is October 4th, but you could probably find it now. And I just like to tell people, you can buy the book anywhere you buy books, but give your local bookstore downtown a call. If they don't have the book, they'll be able to order it for you. Uh, but if you're the type to, to get your books at big box stores, it's definitely available there. And, you know, we've talked about this, KJ. My hope is that for Canadians who are kind of learning about this team, interested about this team and interested in how this team went from an afterthought and Canadian, you know, popular consciousness to where they are now, which is, you know, they're genuinely going to dominate headlines come November. Hopefully this book allows them to learn a you know, little something and, and learn about the rise of this team and all the people kind of behind the scenes that contributed to that rise, right? Yeah, you definitely will. I'll get to these gentlemen in a second waiting patiently to chat. But that was my favorite part. I haven't got all the way through it yet. But trust me, you don't start this book um, at the very beginning of the World Cup qualifying. Uh, you don't you know, you don't start this book right away with games against Mexico or Haiti or US. This starts where it should start. And the people who deserve the love get the love and talk about it. And it's not all, um, you know, rose tinted glasses either there's, there's there's pain there there's lots of stuff how important was that josh to tell that story and speak to some of those former players that have been through the problems that has allowed some of these new players to succeed yeah it was vital because i don't think canada would be here without those people that that really kind of laid the the groundwork laid the pipeline i think when people think about this men's national team they think of john herdman they think of alfonso davies which is all well and good and, and justified but there are so many people that did their part, sometimes in small increments, to get this men's team to where they are. And I'm talking about the likes of Craig Forrest, who I think Canadian soccer fans know and rightfully put up on a pedestal. But maybe what they don't know is how often Craig answered the call for Canada when he perhaps shouldn't have and how much he put his club career and moves to you know a big club like Chelsea at risk to go play for Canada. I think for a long time, Canadian players didn't show up for Canada. And I think Craig was one of the people that kind of broke down the wall in that regard. Um, and obviously someone that I'm sure you guys talk about a lot on the show, Stephen Hart. Um, I think for so long, the Canadian men's national team was defined by their physicality, their defensiveness, and kind of a, a very old school British style of play and that they would lump the ball forward, hope for a set piece goal, but what I found both through my research and, and from talking to people in and around the national team is that when Stephen Hart takes over, the men's national team finally learns to embody the multiculturalism, the diversity that is so prevalent in Canadian soccer at the time. And he allows players the freedom to just play, use offensive flair in a way they didn't before. And I think that, again, laid kind of the groundwork for this team that you see now, right? Atiba Hutchinson was on those great teams with Stephen Hart in 2007. Um, and that was a real turning point in that 2007 Gold Cup team because they moved from a very kind of stodgy, serious, physical defense. Oh, we lost Josh. Oh, this is getting good. That relies on their tactical quality. <laughs> Sorry, Josh, we just lost you there. It was just, it was uh, a little bit of, thankfully you, you came right back, but I think we got the point. You're right though. It's a great point about Stephen Hart and there's some great stories in the book. And of course about, you know, 
Um, the hero to many of us, Greg Forrest, who's just uh, so great, tells, tells some great stories and is just a brilliant storyteller himself. And Josh certainly helps that. A great line there in terms of when they they uh, they were playing in, a, I think, a Gold Cup or something. And, and then Harry Redknapp's on the phone. So you're still winning these games? It's just like, get no. back here. It's just it's, uh, some brilliant stories there. But yeah, anyway, uh, it's a complete page turner, The Voyages by Joshua Cloak. We're going to get to a couple more things later with some events he's got coming this weekend. Uh, but gentlemen, let's break down today. Charlie, you run it for campl.ca. I was on the broadcast for One Soccer. Uh, AGR on it for One Soccer. And of course, Josh for The Athletic. Where all eyes were on this match. Um, in the end, it ended up Uruguay 2, Canada 0. In the end, I don't think John Herbman wants any of us to take too much positives from it because he was a bit of a dejected character afterwards as well. Um, but AGR, those of us that aren't trying to figure out how to win games at the World Cup inside that locker room and boy those characters up, was there a lot for us to take from this? What did you think? I mean, it was a good chance to, to test against a sort of, you know, top 15 nation that, that you probably haven't really, you, can, you can't really say that you faced before. Because again, maybe on paper, Mexico and the US, top 15 nations uh, by FIFA rankings, but you've played them enough. And, you know, we've seen recent form, obviously, CONCACAF going to Comable, UEFA, it's a whole different uh, animal. So I think it was just good to kind of go out there and get a taste uh, of that. So for, for Canada, it was a good test of, okay, how can you impose your systems? How can you play? How can you, uh, you know, tactically adjust to these sorts of teams? You can take away that sort of stuff. I mean, in terms of what we uh, learned, there were still some growing pains, evidently. I think, you know, Canada was a little more nervous than I thought they would be. I thought I was a bit surprised by that, just given that typically they've responded to even bigger occasions. I mean, at the end of the day, this is just a friendly uh, but you could tell they're a bit nervous. They didn't maybe trust their instincts at times, but also they showed a lot of good moments too on the flip side when they did grow and did uh, show their mettle. And that was kind of what you're looking for. Can they play their system? Can they play their way, even if they're playing top teams in the world? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Charlie, what about you? I mean, I know you covered it pretty much for your analysis as well, but there's, there was a lot to like, no, in terms of how they came back into the game, how they played through the press. Uh, they, they kind of stuck to their own identity in this yeah. game despite being 2-0 down yeah it was kind of an interesting dynamic in the game i think a lot of people expected canada to have to play without the ball a lot more in this game just by virtue of playing you know a higher quality opponent although uruguay under diego alonso haven't necessarily possessed the ball all that much i think their last four world cup qualifiers under him they averaged like 47 percent. so that's not necessarily out of character for this team but it did seem a little bit like canada were maybe at least at at times surprised by how much of the ball they had and they had to kind of try and break down Uruguay and didn't have maybe as much of the transition kind of moments as they had against like, for instance, the United States in those two games. And I think that might've been by design from Uruguay, but we saw a lot of things from Canada that were impressive. We saw Alfonso Davies trying to go looking for the ball and, and try to link up with either Stephanie Stacchio or send it out wide to, yeah. to Sam Atacubi, which I think was probably the brightest part of the pitch for Canada. Um, you know, obviously, I think we're going to talk about Ismail Konane in more detail because he was a, a huge bright spot for this team. But we saw a lot of, I, I, as you said, Christian, things that are part of this Canadian team's identity, which maybe I wasn't expecting to see in a game like this, right? Against some very, very difficult players, against you know some of the best midfielders in the world. I think Stephanie Stacchio looked like Stephanie Stacchio against you know a midfield that features Fede Valverde and, and Rodrigo Bentancourt who are both exceptional in this game. So I think there's a lot of positives in that. And as as Alex mentioned, the biggest positive is just that 
they've now kind of had this little taste of it, right? Because it's one thing to look at film or to talk about how difficult it is to play against world-class players, but it's a different, it's a completely different thing to be on the pitch with them and have them punish you. And now, you know, Alistair Johnston will have that Darwin Nunez goal in the back of his mind when he's on the pitch against Romelu Lukaku, right? He'll remember what that was like and he'll be able to think about it and have that reference point to know that it's a concern that we, that Canada can now address going into the games that will actually matter, right? Yeah, someday when he doesn't actually have to worry about getting home or playing in the wet MLS playoffs or World Cup, I want Alistair Johnson, maybe over a pint, a big Man United fan to tell me what that melt, what that felt like for Darwin Nunez <laughs> go over the top and head that ball past him. I'm sure that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. Uh, jo- Josh, you're, you're one of the best storytellers in this country, so I'm going to put this to you, my friend. We now know, do we not, that Canada are going to go out all guns blazing at the World Cup, no matter what, right? Like, we're not going to suddenly go to Qatar and play Belgium and suddenly they're going to go defensively deep and they're going to remove one of those key attackers. I think that, I think it's out, right? The identity's out. It's not a secret anymore. I think we know, we all wondered, are they going to play David Davies and Laren together and maybe a Hoyle and a Buchanan? It looks like they're going to play these guys. Um, and if that's the case, should we as a nation or maybe non-soccer people be prepared that maybe in one of these games, they could get smashed. I ask you that because it is a potential possibility, right? But the fact that they're not worried about that is, a, I think, a key story. Do you know where I'm going? The expectations surrounding this team can go anywhere from zero to 100 right now because there's a world in which Canada could show up and, and lose all three games. And I think we saw that a little bit today, right? Just the gap between the very good CONCACAF teams you know, Mexico and the United States and and the teams that they're going to play. That gap is really, really big. And if you make the smallest mistakes, we're talking about Alistair Johnston, the smallest mistakes will allow Canada to get punished. So there's a world in which that could happen. But in terms of what I took away from the match today, I saw a Canadian team that played confidently for 90 minutes. So to me, there's also a world in which Canada can run a team like Croatia into the ground. And this is kind of the line of thinking that I've been working with. Um, You know, their their schedule lines up so well for them at the World Cup. Belgium, okay, whatever happens, happens. And it's great that you kind of go to the World Cup, you get that one out of the way, and maybe that's the game that you get smashed. But the expectations are, are can be low in your first game anyway. Maybe a bit of squad rotation, you go in against Croatia and you have an opportunity there to, if you play the way you did today, which is you just you press actively, you stay, you know, with your game plan, you, there's a world in which you can run Croatia into the ground for 90 minutes and find a draw. That sets up really well for a must-win game against Morocco in your last game. And I think, again, KJ, you're right. There's a world in which they can get blown out, but there's also a world in which you know, Canada can bet on their talent. And for me in a tournament, you know, surrounding tournament situation, I'm always going to bet on talent. We've seen that Alfonso Davies can take over games, right. For Canada. If he can take over that game against Morocco, there's a world in which perhaps they can beat Morocco and then you're at four points you can go through. So uh, the expectations, I think that's what's going to make this Canadian team so entertaining to watch is that, they can show up, they can get one goal, lose all three matches, but people can still say, well, I remember when Canada scored their first goal and that's great, right? Um, but then there's a world where in, in which they could surprise a lot of people. And look, that makes for great stories too. It makes for great stories. I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I just think that 
and maybe all of us need to play a role in this, is that they are going to go there and stick to their identity. Win, lose, or draw, this is the, be- this is the best version of themselves going forward now. And this is not a team that is going to accept John Herbert's coaching staff saying, we're playing two play two teams who made the semifinals of the last World Cup, guys. We have to change our identity. We're going to pack the midfield. We're going to play one up front, and we're going to bunker in, and Davies, you're playing fullback. They are not going to do that. And the, these players are clearly, uh, I think, have got what they want out of John, and they said, no, we don't want to do that either. And so I, I think as a nation, we have to be prepared to say, okay, they're going to go out there to try and win these games and hope that, that that works out well in their form. And I think we have to be prepared to go, okay, if they're going to do that, then we applaud them both ways, right? If they're going to do that and get the win, AGR, then that's a great thing. But we have to also say, okay, you, then against Croatia, you may struggle. You know, I think you might struggle against them more than Belgium personally, but against these teams of high quality, as we saw today, there's a chance that it could go the other way rather than try and bunker in, for example, and play 10 men behind the ball and get a nil-nil. That's not the kind of the, 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 the storyline that's going to be told here. And I think maybe that's a positive. What do you think? That's going to be interesting to see how they, they respond. I think what's clear now is after this game, though, like you mentioned, they're going to go for it. And I think that's good because if you're Canada, it's just a matter of that. It's almost like you can see on the field, it's going to be a switch. Like you can tell that it's no longer necessarily a question of can Canada play with these guys. I think you see enough in flashes where Canada can go out and play it's funny, though, you can see it in the game. I remember there's a moment today where uh, someone had the ball, might have been Kamal Miller, you look in the pocket and someone's wide open, but Federico Valverde standing beside him. So you hesitate. You're like, okay, I don't want to make that pass. It's going to be a matter of, okay, in, in big games, it doesn't matter who's there. If you want to be the best teams, you have to make that pass to, I want to say, it was Ustakio and trust that Ustakio is going to turn off and he's going to be able to, to play because he can do that. He's shown that he's gone against Atletico Madrid. He's gone against Bruges. He's, he's done it uh, you know, at a high level. And I think for Canada, the talent's there. It's going to be finding that switch and just learning at the World Cup that also on, on the flip side, like you mentioned defensively, if you're Alistair Johnston, you slip a bit at the back post and you know a striker gets to that back post, it might not end up in the net. You slip and Darwin Nunez is on your left shoulder. Right. The ball is going to end up in the back net as well. It's kind of a flip side of learning that, uh, okay, Canada, they're going to go out their way. And I think it's going to be huge just because, like you mentioned, uh, if you go in there with a bit of fear, if you go in with the, okay, we're just going to try to limit everything in a 5-4-1 and, and hope things will, will end up all right. I mean, if you're talking about building for 2026, that confidence I think is going to be the big difference maker because, as you mentioned, the talent's starting to be there. Uh, you know, I think as, as guys like Kone's, the Millers, you know, the guys we're not even talking about, the 16-year-olds out there who are going to make moves to Europe one day, the talent's going to really start to be there. It's a question of can they have that mentality? And that's a, it's a good point that these sorts of games are going to teach them those, you know, moments of when to be confident, but also the value of making, you know, what mistakes will look like, what, you know, what to do in certain areas of the pitch. The the reason, and, and sorry to jump in here, but the reason that, that I think, you know, I would feel confident in this Canadian team going for it, as you said, KJ, is so many of these Canadian players know, and, and, you know, players have told me this, they know that going to the World Cup is an opportunity to get in the shop window in a way right. they never have previously. Like if you go up and down this roster, how many players could move in the winter transfer window with a few good performances at the World Cup? Alistair Johnson, Kamal Miller, right? Ismail Kone, key players for Canada. So if you want to go for it, you have to kind of bet on yourself. And I know that's a cliche, 
But I think Canada has put themselves, a lot of Canadian players have put themselves in a very good position to kind of understand, I have to kind of put my foot to the gas in the World Cup because in a lot of ways, my future as a professional player depends on it. I might not get to go to a World Cup again. I might not to be exposed, get be exposed to the rest of the football world in this way again. So I have to bet on myself and I do have to go for it because nothing stands out in terms of, you know, getting the attention of scouts like players who just who go for it, who play without fear. And I think that's, we mentioned it before. I think that's why Ishmael Kone has basically jumped from a possibility on the squad to a lock on the squad, because here's a 20 year old that doesn't play with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Here's a player that plays on, on instinct and looks so composed in doing so. And I think there's a very good reason why after the world cup, his stock is going to rise even more and he's going to become a, a very, kind of desired commodity. So I think in terms of KJ, you know, your idea that they should just go for it and and that's the best way to go about it. I think it fits this team because a lot of them know that their kind of trajectory is, is on an upwards kind of climb right now. And it's the best time to continue that climb at the world cup. Yeah. Another great point. But the other dynamic to this is that John Herbman is thinking about that too, or his job is to win games. Right, sure. but he still wants to put those players in the best places, the best case scenario, and and think that I we, we need to show the best version of ourselves. And I still think that is one of the most underrated storylines that's happening right now, from the end of World Cup qualifying to now. And again, it will be proven right or wrong, but it is this is us. We are playing David. We are playing Davies. We are playing Laren. We are playing a you know fullbacks going up Larea or and this is the way we're playing. And like you said, the players will want to play that way anyway because that's how they're used to playing. That's the best version of themselves. They're not bunkering in, so scouts will see them. Uh, And I I think that's a really interesting dynamic. It brings us to a question, probably the last one we've got here for the time, um, from Arthur in the chat. Playing Alfonso Davies, he says, a little deeper in that left side number 10 pocket, do we lose his speed and ability to stretch back lines? Well, the answer to that clearly is yes, because you don't get what you get when you play him deeper. I've always been a proponent of wanting him to see him play deeper. I personally would love to see him playing uh, in Sam Adekubi's position in this in, in this thing. I, th- I know him in the minority, and I know he's not going to play there. John Herbman has said publicly and privately to many of us, Alfonso Davies wishes to play in the final third for Canada to be that superstar attacking player, and that's what he's going to be. This is not a case anymore of coach versus player. It is too close to a massive tournament, and he's going to get – it is clear now what he, what he wants. Um so how do we get the best out of it? I think we saw the ups and downs of it. I said the same today. I think AGR, you said the same in yours. Charlie, you wrote the same. Josh, too. What what can he... I mean, yes, occasionally he can look like a player that's doing too much. No, he held the ball up today one time. Buchanan's waving on the left-hand side, getting madder and madder and frustrated with him and waves his hand at him when he didn't get the ball. So we're going to see those moments. No, but in that free role, what would you like to see him become, Charlie, a little bit more? A little bit more posed? Or is it just be the free role that you can be. Yeah, I, th- I think that, like, you you don't want to do anything to restrict him from being Alfonso Davies and being the star of this team because it, it's clear that that's what he wants to do. He d- obviously isn't the star of the team at Bayern Munich, so every time he comes into Canada camp, he's very motivated to kind of play that role and have that, that you know, responsibility to, at moments of, of certain games, carry the team. Uh, I, I think you're going to want you know, he, he maybe looks a little bit better this game if, if the, the final ball or the final product in the in the box is better from some of his teammates or things like that. But there are moments where, you know, he doesn't make the pass or even moments where he d- 
did make the pass when maybe should have taken the shot himself. So I think there's actually, you know, kind of pro- like progress for him to make there. Um, the thing that I kind of wanted to bring up with Davies that is maybe a bit of a nitpick, but it's very specific. I'm not convinced he should be taking set pieces mm. for this team. Uh, the, a lot of those corner deliveries, I know that you maybe want a left footer on some of those for the, the in-swinger. They weren't very good from him. And I mean, he doesn't really take set pieces at club level. He hasn't taken set pieces uh, really, really for, for a while now. He's taken a few of them with Canada, but it's never really been a, an area of danger for him. And I think maybe you want him on the pitch higher up if you can he can maybe get touched on the ball or something. So that's a, a specific one that maybe you look at. But, you know, other than that, I think he was very lively today. And again, it's just kind of getting more comfortable with knowing when to be the guy and when to trust that there's a lot of other talented players on the pitch beside you as well, right? Yeah, totally. Josh? If I'm Alfonso Davies, in, in, in terms of understanding, you know, time and space, if I'm Alfonso Davies, I spend the next six weeks following Thomas Muller and training in a way that I never have before. And I mean yeah. that because if we, we so now we know where what Alfonso Davies is going to be. He's going to be an attacking player that is kind of given creative license by John Herdman in a way no other player will get. Right. Who's one of the best players, at, you know, who's one of the best forwards still in the world at kind of understanding where to be at the right time. And, you know, who also has creative license when he's on the pitch? It's Thomas Muller. And, and I think Alfonso Davies has a great opportunity here to kind of study him a little bit more, talk to him a little bit more and understand how do I, you know, be at my most effective in that free role. Um, I, I think there were moments for me with Alfonso Davies when it was pretty clear that some of the through balls he played, I think he was kind of anticipating, well, how, how would a Bayern forward react to this? And I mean that. And sometimes his balls just looked a, a little bit, his, his through balls just looked a little bit too fast for some of his Canadian forwards at times. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, it's going to come. And, and again, I'm going to continue to bet on Alfonso Davies having a breakout game at the World Cup. It just depends who it's against. But yeah, I really think it would be interesting. I know Thomas Muller is a character and we know Alfonso Davies is a character. I think they probably have a lot more in common than they think. And I think it would be advantageous to to Alfonso and to John Herdman and the rest of the team for, for him to kind of set up shop and you know do some Thomas Muller one-on-one for the next six weeks because... Again, these are two players that need to understand time and space. And and Muller's, you know, one of the best at it. Alex, tactically, you've got a great brain. What do you think of that front three and how they work working together? I mean, it's very fluid. (laughs) That's certainly for sure. Uh, with the way David just and Laren, they're they're not traditional strikers. I think we we know that at this point. They love to drop. They love to interconnect. And yeah, it's been fascinating to see how Davies has adjusted to that because. It always has felt like since the white caps, you know, uh, Davies' side of his game has always been, what can he do on the ball? And, you know, for, for him, it was take the ball, go in a st- very straight line and burst up the pitch. And I think, uh, you know, it, and we see it for Bayern. It works very well when you have a team that has so much talent in the middle. We talk about Muller. You see guys like Musiala, Sané, Coleman. You could go, you could get dizzy all day just talking about that talent. It allows you space to just burst down the wide uh, channels whereas Davies now with Canada the challenge is learning to you know deal with you're going to have the ball a lot in the middle and you're going to have four or five guys on you so how do you 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 
you know, understand and, you know, I guess like Thomas Muller would say, interpret the space uh, around you. So it's going to be interesting to see how he, he interacts just because it appears of that three, he's going to be the one who gets the ball more. It's going to be, okay, David uh, is also going to drop deep. And then from there, Laren's going to be the, the guy kind of roaming the final third. So for Davies, I, I, what I want to see him in, in that position is what does he do on the ball? How does he balance his decision-making uh, you know, when does he make the passes? Because you're seeing flashes of it. I think in a game like this where he had six key passes, like that's no joke for an attacking midfielder to, to have a six key passes in a game where you look you're like, that was an okay game from Alfonso Davies. Like if that's his okay game, you're going to be very all right when you got guys, uh, you know, putting some of those chances away. So it's just how can you navigate the middle? How can you balance uh, you know, the dribbling is always going to be there. The speed's always going to be there. You know that. But uh, if he can be a guy that really, because he takes away attention. Like when you have four or five guys, you think, okay, that surely means a Buchanan's open on the pitch. That means a David, the way he finds space is open on the pitch. As long as he can continue to find that balance in his game, uh, it's going to be exciting to see where, where he goes. So uh, it'll be good to see. I think he has, you know, immense potential long-term to develop into a, a player centrally for maybe even club, definitely for, for country. So if he can kind of just learn those actions of being on the ball, I think one thing that's also noticeable is when you're on the wing, you kind of can always look one way just because you're always looking inside. Uh, whereas in the middle, you have to get used to, to pivoting your head. And that's also something that he's, he's starting to wrap his head around. So like Josh mentions, I think that's a great shout to spend time with Thomas Muller. Maybe he kind of doubles it where he spends half his day talking to Muller about space. And then he spends half his day talking to Musiala about what to do on the ball. Because that guy is also someone who on the ball can do a lot of great things from a 10 position. And I'm sure he'll figure things out through that. Yeah. What I like about him essentially is that without Kay in midfield, you have another left footer that opens the balls up a little bit more and has that vision to go left. You know, sometimes, it, you know, it can get a little bit too the other way with right footers always kind of looking that way. So he has the ability to stretch the ball a little bit and stretch the game that way and open up the play. Um, the other factor that hasn't been discussed about all this is that these th th those three players never really played in this position before. Uh, they didn't play that way in World Cup qualifying as a three uh, ever. Uh, they only played one game together from the start like that. So it'd be interesting because if you can get red hot in the next month, uh, look out what's going to happen then. Um, and there's a real chance. Uh, that's why when I did my boards today with Scott Arfield, uh, there's a real chance that you could see, why couldn't you see a, um, uh, maybe Buchanan coming in for Larrick, uh, something like that. And you just, you know, you put Buchanan and Davies and then you have David as that false nine kind of dropping in and they just go, you know, there's lots of different things you could do with that front three. Um, uh, but this has been my front three, uh, Charlie, AGR and Josh Cloak. I can't thank you guys enough. It's been fantastic. We could talk all night and we probably will. We'll do this again uh, before Qatar. Before we let you go and bring Mitchell back in, uh, Josh, again, the Voyagers available as of the 4th. I'll probably can order it now. And you've got a couple of big events coming up uh, in the next week, my friend, as well. Explain. Yeah, October 1st, just ahead of the uh, York United Forge FC game in beautiful Hamilton, just down the street from where I live at Bernie's Tavern, three in the afternoon. Uh, we're gathering with Nico uh, Giantsopoulos of York United uh, and Costas Mirniotis, um, Forge FC's football director. We're going to gather for a conversation uh, with a lot of Forge United or sorry, Forge FC fans. And then, uh, you know, just ahead of a march from Bernie's Tavern, which is just down the street um, from Tim Hortons Field uh, to the stadium for the game. So that Saturday afternoon, books will be available for sale there. And then October 4th at the Rivoli in Toronto, kind of an old school footy talks event uh, with some of our friends, Ali Platt, uh, Peter Galindo, and obviously James Sharman kind of, 
carrying the load there. Uh, but again, books will be for sale there. I'll be doing readings at both. Uh, and I would really like the opportunity to meet, you know, fans, Canadian men's national team fans, because KJ, you're right. We're in a position now where, you know, people can talk about the men's national team in a way they never have before. I mean, I think these conversations used to be confined to kind of dark corners of, of parties when you would maybe meet someone that thought about the men's national team the way that, that a lot of us now do. So it's great to kind of have these conversations, you know, more out in the open um, because we're talking about the 24th and 25th, you know, guys on the World Cup roster, which is a, a dream for a lot of people. So I would love to, to meet some fans out there and, and, and get some books in, in the hands of people who want them. Uh, so yeah, October 1st and 4th, all the details are on my Twitter feed. Um, and yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, you're right. No longer the dark alleys. Are you telling us the nerds have become the cool kids? I don't know. We'll see. John, <laughs> maybe you guys. I'll always be a nerd. I'll still talking about, you know, lots of nerd stuff. But you guys could be the cool kids. Uh, Josh is a cool kid and he's got an amazing book. And this is going to be uh, a Bible for many years to come. That's what I love about it. That it will always be written right before the World Cup this year when they made it. And it's a fa fantastic story. Congratulations, my friend. So Thank glad you. you got it out. And thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate that. We appreciate you. Thanks again, Josh Cloak of The Athletic. Uh, let's bring in Mitchell Tierney, who we see in the background, who's uh, typing away his analysis piece. Um, we can bring AGR <laughs> back unless AGR is gone. Did AGR leave us there? We can bring him in as well. Here. Yeah, here he is. Uh, uh, Mitchell, get your, let's get your packs open already. Let's open some packs. All right. We've already done it already. He was grinning uh, way too wide when he came in. I'm really worried that he's already I'm opened about it. This. He has he already opened them on. already? Has he got some... We've been opening packs all week and putting and you can slide in. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah, yeah. Six. <laughs> He's just picking the good well, one. Here, here we'll tell you that I haven't been. We're starting with Keisha Fuller from uh, Costa Rica, who oh, boy. did actually play against Pacific recently for Aridiano. So there's a uh, little CPL uh, connection Shouts there. Out, yeah. Ooh, we got a Leicester player here, uh, Timothy Castagna. I don't know about you guys. I'm sick of these Belgians. Another Belgian, yeah. <laughs> We're just, this we'll show has it. been in. Just just taken over by Belgians. Don't like okay. it. Okay. Here's not a bad one. Rodrigo DePaul. Oh, that's good. So yeah. Messi's bodyguard. Don't, don't mind that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he can make my team. Oh, yeah. Of course, we got the Canadian. Mark Anthony K. Look at Always. this. Always. Every it. time he pulls a card to play. Three in a row. Every uh, time. And then uh, recent Canadian opponent, uh, Kareem Boudiaf of Qatar. There you go. Probably not making my team. Okay. Get second pack here. Get second pack open. Uh, Charlie, you got your five-a-side team ready? Or what do you think? You getting me prepared? Yeah, I, I think. Well, I'm definitely at least go, at least go, at least go, at least go, at least. Oh, we lost. That was Charlie just yeah. went on a little rant there. We, <laughs> we lost you there for a second. But that was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, we may have lost Charlie's audio. Charlie's got the turntables going over there. <laughs> I think we've lost his audio, so we're just taking him. We're taking him out the show for him to figure it out. But... Let me back in. Oh, he's back. There you go. But I reminded if you want to get these uh, World Cup stickers, uh, get your albums filled up. We're going to have a lot of fun over the next few weeks doing this. Mitchell, you got your second pack there? I do, yeah. Um, starting with uh, Checo Chiate. Nice oh, little ad there. Nice. You guys have got, got some good on. midfielders coming yeah, yeah. up here. Some real toughness. Ujo Wang of South Korea. Okay. Oh, man. Ooh, this is a good one. Brazil or Charleston. I scored today. All yeah, right. We'll get that. Uh, there you go. That a, ooh, a blue Hugo Lloris. Oh, there you go. Wow. Perfect. Don't mind that. There you go. 
I'm not sure about him, his uh, footwork in a five-a-side. I think he's um, maybe a mare <laughs> at some there point. But then Marcos, Marcos Lorente. So oh, I think yeah, I can make a great team here. There you go. Get your stickers out and make a team. You know what else they sent me? They sent me a couple of these packs, these Adrenaline XLs. Uh, so this is actually – these are cards. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to get – I think, to be honest, you're going to get better players in these. So I'm not going to try and take my cards and beat your stickers. Uh, but let's just see who we got here straight away. Oh, you're talking Llorente. Uh right there. There you go. There you go. Him. Right out of the box. That's right out, right out of the way. I got some uh, DeAndre Yedlin. Sure. That's pretty mm. good. Right? That's that's a pretty good one. No, no, uh, maybe not. Mm. I did get I did pull DeAndre Yedlin actually in the stickers when I uh when I did the thing with Fonzie. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah. I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember pulling him. That was fun. Mm. Uh, I remember him marking him. Martin Braithwaite. <laughs> There you go. Oh. Uh, Peruvian Christian Cueva. Uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, nice. There we go. Tejon Buchanan. Oh, lovely. Yes. Oh, hey. See? There we go. See, we got a Canadian oh. connection. And then, uh, yeah, we got a fan's favorite of Jordi Alba. There you go. Spanish okay. connection. So there you go. I got some cards. But yeah, check them out. There's lots of World Cup put stickers around. And uh, this show is uh, wrapping up. Uh, so let's see your five-a-side teams. Uh, Charlie? Uh, by the way, Benedict, uh, you're our social uh, guy. Um, you take care of everything at our place. Uh, who won the vote last week? Whose team? Uh, me. me. Well, Charlie tells your team. I'll find it. it was definitely no, not Charlie. It wasn't me or Charlie. It was it definitely was not Charlie. Was it you, Benedict? Uh, someone make the team and I'll, I'll find it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, it ben, ben can go look for it and I'll give you I'll give you guys my team. Let's go. Okay, yeah. I think I got it. I've obviously got I've got Tristegan and Cole. Okay. It's a good yeah. start. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go camera. with two defenders. I'm going to go with uh, Yannick Vesterberg. Okay. That's for you, Mitchell. Uh, and, and Pau Torres. Just a nice class. Right. class this is looking like a good team. Uh, in midfield, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Yuri Tielemans. Yeah. Another, another Lester. I, I like uh, this team already. <laughs> Archer in the chat told me to burn <laughs> my... Uh, <laughs> Archer in the chat told me to burn my Gregor's Krakowiak uh, sticker. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling that you might be a uh, or have some Polish ancestry that uh, might suggest that you're not a huge fan of his, but uh, I will yeah. leave him out. Maybe he's I'll a West Brom fan. Or that, <laughs> <laughs> that would be even fan. more unfortunate. Uh, I'm going to put Timo Werner right up there at the top. Uh, he's going to yeah. hopefully hit the net and not put it six feet over the net. That's a tough uh, team to beat. That's it's a, a good team. team it's a much better team than last week. It is. AGR, you got. All right, let's go for it. So, uh, we'll start in goal. I decided to have a goalkeeper again, Frederick Ranau. Surprise, he's Union Berlin's goalkeeper, and they're right now the darlings of Europe. So, they're I'll doing great. take yeah. that. Yeah, that's fun. So, no complaints for me. Then I'm going to go back to of Denzel Dumfries. You can get forward. He's quality on the ball. And then, of course, Teo Hernandez. Nice. A lot of quality in that left boot of his. And that leads nicely to my holding midfielder of Calvin Phillips. Man yeah. City player. You know, yeah. you're going to get a lot of possession there between those four guys. Really, Berlin as well plays with the ball. And then we got my captain, my muse, my artist, Sadio Mane. Oh. He's going to do all the dirty work. It's a good <laughs> team. Oh. It's a good team. Thomas in the chat thinks Charlie's going to win this leg. Uh, but I don't know. Like AGR might, might battle away. Benedict, do we <laughs> have a winner worried. from last week? You do. Uh, team Erickson, that's my team, had 40% uh, of the vote. Ah, dominant. Uh, team Alistair Johnson was Mitch's team. He had 35% of the vote. Oh. Okay. Coming third was Team Daniel Henry. That was Alex, and that was sixteen percent. And then Charlie <laughs> Team Aldevarald came in with nine percent. All right. Who Charlie. voted for me? 
How many accounts do you have? Sorry, the fact, Charlie, you should have got relegated, really. But we'll give you another chance. If you come last again this week. Put it in the family group chat. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Who voted for me, man? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Mitchell, let's see your team. We'll go with Benedict last because he's the re- reigning champ. Yeah, so I'll also go for a goalkeeper. I have to have Hugo Lloris in there. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll go for a diamond. We'll have Castagna at the back. We'll just hold things down there. Um, Five-a-side diamond. Wow, let's yeah. go. Wow. Double midfield of uh, Mark Anthony K and Marco Sorrente. Okay, that's not good. bad. We're going Richarlison up top. Oh, that's a pretty good team as well. Richarlison's got to score a lot of goals, but yeah, that's a pretty good team. I like it. I like all these teams. Benedict, I think you might not win this week. Let's see your five. Well, I decided <laughs> to open a third pack, and once again, the third pack provided oh. three of my players. Oh, what is <laughs> cheater? <laughs> yeah, no wonder. I'll say this is. I mixed. opened a third pack for fun. Just for fun, I got this guy. He's nowhere near my team, so I'm just saying. I'm just... <laughs> well, that's your, that's your to see. <laughs> Benedict, um, let's go with your, uh, your your rigged three. Let's go. Let's go. Who's got your team? So returning to my team from from the first two packs are Kingsley Coleman. Okay. Yeah. Is he playing in net? Uh, well, I've decided to go for a, a two-zero-three formation. Okay. Go <laughs> that <Nice>. classic, classic. <laughs> This is yeah. a proper five-a-side team. book's going to be written in this, you know, inverting the pyramid two, the 203. Let's go. get Josh Cook back here. Yeah. Um, Eden Hazard obviously has to return to this team as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually don't want any more Belgians, Christian. Yeah, but I, I have got. Oh, Come on. Oh, this is a ridiculous <laughs> <Why>? team. Um, <laughs> you have a little West Ham loving this squad, which I like as well. Got uh, Tilo Kerr. Okay. Did you open like 15 packs or something? Yeah, what is this? I'll open a third pack and yeah, get another Canadian final. love. Come on, Miller. Oh, oh, there you go. Come on. Charlie's disgusted <laughs> with the cheat that Benedict is just. I've been robbed. I've been yeah. robbed. <laughs> look, at, look at. Let me get these guys in. AGR pulled all these stars from his third pack. By the way, the next guy to pull a Belgian is fired from the show. <laughs> Wow. You're done. Out. Get out of the show. I just thought you guys would have had more Belgians than anybody. We're going to have to hear about so many more Belgians heading up to November 23rd, and I think we've had enough of them for now. We have had enough of them. Yeah. (sighs) I'm with you. All right. We're going to put it in the chat. Uh, You know, Charlie's uh, tough five. Um, AGL's returning five. Mitchell's uh, Leicester five. And uh, the cheats from the roads. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, all roads leads to cheating there we go uh, and on that bombshell we'll say goodnight to everybody we've been on far too long for that but you uh you know you've picked the night with us we can't thank you enough thanks to uh these fine folks here thanks to joshua cloak and a reminder his great book is the voyages i'm privileged to have one of it right here and it's been you know a great turn, turn reader it really is a page reader for me every day uh yeah next week we'll be back as we you know open some more stickers i suppose and then maybe talk a little cpl in between the stickers uh benedict may be out of packs by then considering his team uh but the rest of us we're going to open packs uh until then god bless everybody have a good night thanks for joining us enjoy the games and we'll chat with you soon well, to be fair to the cap supporters they did a great job making the three-hour trek to the provincial capital to see the final of Clasco this season. Look at this from Ottawa. Are you kidding me, Balu Tabla? What a finish that was. An overhead kick from outside the box, Jimmy. The audacity from Balu. 
That is a statement goal very early in this match. Tommy Wilton Jr. Totalisé 106 matchs en toute compétition. Attention, bien frappé, oh, quel but Baloutable, magnifique Baloutable Incroyable Quelle frappe Et encore une fois pour la deuxième fois de suite, Atlético Ottawa mène à l'extérieur en Alberta. Quelle passe et quelle frappe, messieurs, dames